Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Discovery. Time flies when you're learning super cool stuff. I'm Nate. And I'm Callie. If you're dropping in for the first time, welcome to Curiosity, where we aim to blow your mind by helping you to grow your mind. If you're a loyal listener, welcome back. Today, we discuss the connection between skin cancer and a leopard gecko named Mr. Frosty, how playing an instrument in childhood can affect brain function as we age, and how a new underwater camera can help us explore previously unseen parts of the ocean. Without further ado, let's satisfy some curiosity. Nate, I want to tell you about some amazing recent findings where researchers discovered that there's a link between geckos and skin cancer. Okay, wow, I... I have to say, I never really thought about that correlation. (laughs) Me neither. But apparently, a leopard gecko named Mr. Frosty might hold a key to helping us improve our treatments for melanoma or skin cancer. So a leopard gecko has the cure to cancer? What is a leopard gecko? Okay, so leopard geckos are the most common reptiles kept as pets. They're native to the Middle East and Asia, uh, but they're also pretty easy to breed in captivity. Breeders use them to create color variants and cool patterns on their skin. Mr. Frosty is one of these variants known as a lemon frost leopard gecko because he has a soft lemon color with little black dots on it. (laughs) Okay, Mr. Frosty sounds pretty cute, but I haven't heard anything about cancer yet. Right. Well, Mr. Frosty was cute. So cute, in fact, that the breeder who created him used him to father other lemon frost babies, more than 900 of them. But over 80% of those geckos grew tumors before they were five. Ooh, that's a huge percentage. Exactly. So when a research team from UCLA reached out by chance hoping to study the genetic coloring variation in leopard geckos, the breeder, Steve Sykes, suggested they instead study these tumors. And when they saw what was happening, they followed his suggestion. Okay, well, what did they find? How do you even study a gecko? With genetic testing. When they looked at the genome, they found a mutation of the gene spin to one Humans have the same gene, and its mutation has already been shown to cause skin cell cancers. In the lizards, the mutation caused an overproduction of pigment-producing cells, which contributes to the color of lemon frost leopard geckos. But it also causes tumors? Exactly. Researchers still aren't sure why some of the lizards get these big, fast-growing tumors, while other get small, slow-growing tumors, and some get none at all. They think other genes must be involved, and some of the geckos may even have tumor-suppressing genes. Identifying this gene mutation in geckos is helping us better understand the mechanics of it as humans as well. Plus, now we have a new animal that we can continue to study to learn about how cancer develops and how to help us figure out these new therapies to fight the cancer. So whatever happened to Mr. Frosty then, the prolific father of geckos and cancer advancements? (laughs) His breeder donated him and his living offspring to science. He even said he was going to stop breeding lemon frost geckos entirely since their color seems to be linked to those cancers. So the lab is just going to be filled with gecko siblings? Maybe for a while, but researchers say in the future they want to culture the cancerous pigment-producing cells so they can study those more directly. Too cool. Mr. Frosty is changing the world. We love to see it. You go, Gecko. (laughs) Did you grow up playing any instruments? I mean, I played a little piano, guitar. I was in choir, but it was never anything, like, too crazy. I'm not a prodigy or anything, but why do you ask? Well, there's new research that suggests that people who play an instrument when they're young might actually be smarter than those who never picked one up. I knew it. I knew I was a genius. (laughs) Okay, but what does the study actually say? 
It turns out there's a link between learning a musical instrument at a young age and improved thinking skills at old age. Think about it like this. People with more experience playing a musical instrument had a greater lifetime improvement during tests of cognitive ability than people who had less or no experience with a musical instrument. That makes sense, but surely there must be other factors as well. Like, if families can afford an instrument and lessons for their kids, it would make sense that they have access to more educational resources, right? Actually, the researchers found this to be the case even when accounting for, in their words, socioeconomic status, years of education, childhood cognitive ability, and their health in older age. Now, to be fair, that is a somewhat controversial finding. Professor Emeritus Ian Deary, who used to be the director of the Center for Cognitive Aging and Cognitive Epidemiology at the University of Edinburgh, said that... What? That's the correct way to pronounce it. It's in Scotland. (laughs) Anyway. Continue. Fine. He said the connection of instrument playing and lifetime cognitive improvement was actually pretty small and that we can't prove the former caused the latter. So the study was a bust? Not quite. He follows up by saying that the results are indeed worth further investigation because it's important to know every effect that contributes toward brain aging, no matter how big or small. Right. So tell me a bit more about the study group. Who was surveyed? There were 366 participants, and 117 of them reported some experience of playing a musical instrument, though it was usually during childhood and adolescence. The most common instrument was the piano, but lots of other instruments were reported. Then the participants were tested on a number of physical and mental functions as they grew older. What kind of tests did they take? They did some pretty common assessments, like retaking the standardized cognitive ability test that every 11-year-old takes in England. The test includes questions that look into verbal reasoning, spatial awareness, and math. Statistical models were used to look for connections between the experience of playing a musical instrument and changes in thinking skills between the ages of 11 and 70. So why is this so important? Because it's fresh evidence that playing an instrument can help keep your brain sharp. I mean, I feel like it's pretty common knowledge, though, that mentally challenging tasks can make you smarter, though, right? It is, but this research gives us some more evidence in how important it is for people to encourage their kids to get into the arts, not only for creative expression, but also for mental fulfillment and health. And Katie Overy agrees. She's a senior lecturer at the University of Edinburgh's Reed School of Music, and she says... No, no accent. Fine. She says (laughs) music has so much to offer as a fun social activity. It is exciting to find that learning to play a musical instrument may also contribute to healthy cognitive aging. Okay, yeah, I guess you're right. I guess I didn't really think about it from an arts perspective. Right, and hey, more kids getting into the arts is something we can benefit from too. Think of all the great music we'll have in coming decades. Very true. I don't have any kids to teach an instrument to, though. Any data in the study about teaching cats the piano? Uh, Unfortunately, no, but if you can teach your cat the piano, something tells me we'll be doing a segment about that soon. (laughs) Did you know that more than 95% of Earth's ocean has never been seen by the human eye? That means we've seen less of the ocean than we have, say, the surface of Mars. Thankfully, researchers at MIT have created a new method of exploration, a wireless camera meant to explore the dark abyss of the vast seas. That sounds pretty amazing, but oceans cover 71% of the Earth's surface. The surface alone, Callie, like 138 million square miles. That's a lot of space to cover. It is a massive job, and previous versions of cameras didn't work that well. 
Running an underwater camera is really expensive and time-consuming, so these researchers developed a camera that is battery-free and wireless. It takes color photos, even in the dark, and transmits image data wirelessly through the water. That sounds really cool. How effective is it? Okay, so that's the craziest part. It's 100,000 times more energy efficient than similar cameras. And the reason why is a bit ingenious. It's powered by sound. What, like you scream at the camera, take pictures, camera, and it works? I mean, that 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 would be one method. <laughs> <laughs> but the way it's meant to work is that it converts sound waves traveling through the water into electrical energy that powers the equipment for imaging and communication. After it takes its photos, it then uses the sound waves to send its data to a receiver. Think of it like airdropping your friend a photo, but underwater. Ah, everything's cooler underwater. So if this camera just doesn't have a battery, can it last forever? Well, not exactly. It could still corrode over time underwater, so it needs to be retrieved by scientists every now and then. But that's the thing. It can roam the ocean for weeks beforehand. Scientists can send it out to look for new species or the effects of the ocean pollution in the deeper sea. One of the most exciting developments, in fact, is how climate change affects deeper parts of the ocean, which is data that climate scientists severely lack right now. This sounds like it could help change the world. I asked you earlier how effective it was, but I guess I'm mostly curious about what happened when they tested this. They tested the camera out in a lot of underwater areas. In one area, they got color images of plastic bottles floating in a New Hampshire pond. In another, they got such high-quality photos of an African starfish that you could see the tiny tubercles along its arms. One of the cameras was set for a week straight in a dark environment using a low-powered flash to rapidly take photos of the underwater plant upon Jatanyovecius. It's the real deal, Nate, and I think it's super cool. Okay, I agree. There's usually some kind of downside with these stories, though. So hit me with the downsides. (laughs) According to the researchers, the only downsides are ones they're already aware of. The current prototype is big and bulky, so it's not very practical for deployment in real-world, non-controlled settings yet. The camera's memory is currently too low to capture real-time streamed images or store video, but all of these things are next on the agenda. That sounds pretty promising. The only other downside they've experienced is the camera's range, which is proving to be the trickiest to overcome. Currently, the camera can transmit data from 40 meters away from the receiver, which is pretty far, except it's not really in the context of how massive the ocean is. That means the camera needs to collect images and then travel back to the receiver to send photos. Mm, That's unfortunate. Still, there are worse problems to have, right? Yeah, anything could happen to the camera in transit. For instance, the camera might take a week to deep dive enough to take photos of a rare shark and then a week to return to the receiver. And then it's within spitting distance of the receiver when another shark decides the camera looks tasty. That's two weeks of waiting for nothing. So it's a huge problem, albeit one that researchers think they'll figure out in due time. So what you're saying is, if I want to dive underwater to try and, say, find the lost city of Atlantis, which I will, mm-hmm. that one day I might come face-to-face with a camera like this one snapping a photo of me. Yes, and it would really improve your social media game, Nate. Imagine if you had a default photo of you a thousand feet underwater with a dopey look because you weren't expecting a camera down there. I'd be the king of the internet, Callie. For at least the three seconds you lived. Oh, that's pretty far, huh? Yeah. (laughs) Let's recap what we learned today to wrap up. 
Researchers have found a new pathway for cancer research in an unlikely place, a leopard gecko known as Mr. Frosty. The same gene mutation that causes his yellow hue is linked to tumors and geckos and humans alike, providing a new path to study the progression of the disease. Research suggests that learning an instrument at an early age is found to have a link with sharper cognitive strength late in life. No. <laughs> no, you're done. That, that was it. Well, even if you start learning an instrument now, it's not too late. <laughs> More than 95% of the ocean has never been seen by the human eye, but the development of a new wireless undersea camera might change that soon. Researchers out of MIT have invented a camera that's capable of exploring the ocean for weeks before needing to return. And though the experiment is still in prototype trials, it could one day reveal an entire world underneath our own we've never seen. Curiosity Daily is produced by Wheelhouse DNA for Discovery. You can follow our show wherever you get your podcasts, and we would love it if you could take a second to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. 